Welcome back to EnterTheRealWorld.com. This is Ben Amat's marvellous journey, a deep dive into the entire history of the MCU. I say history, there's no more history to, to plumb the depths of. So this is episode 25, the future of the MCU. My name is Matt Walters, I'm joined, as always, by Ben Phillips. Ben, how are you? It's been insufferably hot for the last week in the UK. Fuck anyone who complains about British weather because right now I'm looking at some gloriously gloomy, rainy skies and it's just we're not, such a we're not allowed to complain. We're not allowed to complain about it, apparently. I've seen mm. so many things on the internet of people going like, oh, it's, it's always hot in our country and you're complaining when it gets a little bit hot. Right. All you motherfuckers saying <laughs> it's hot in our country. Guess what? Your country's built to heat. Our houses trap warmth <laughs> so that we can survive the bitter winters. So no heat gets out of these motherfuckers. In fucking sane. Speaking of insane, Marvel had themselves a Comic-Con slate of announcements for the first time in two years? Uh, five years, I think. Wow. I think, the, I think the last time they did the full-on unveiling of a slate of yeah. movies was Phase 3 announcement, and they did all of it including the one that didn't come out. Inhumans? Inhumans. <laughs> right, so before we get into that, it's probably best we discuss what has come before in a lot of ways. And, you know, the MCU has been this colossal juggernaut. Surprise to no one, this hot take of mine. You know, at first we were, they were kind of just making movies to lead to the Avengers, but then there's been this conscious effort of what they've retroactively named it the Infinity Saga, all leading up to Thanos, all leading up to the Infinity Stones. Characters will die, and then everything will change. And we have finally hit that point where we have gotten through Infinity War and Endgame. And we've come out the other side now. We had a Spider-Man movie, and it's not that they don't count, but they are sort of a co-thing with Sony, and it sort of serves as an epilogue more than it does a... And this is what it's going to be going forward. Like, it does tease some things about here's some directions we could go, but let's call that the sort of brackets sort of thing. And, like, what we will get out of these movies that have been announced and TV shows is their sort of new direction post-Thanos. You know, you and I obviously love Marvel movies. We have made 24 episodes, and this is our 25th, on how much we love them. But... Uh, we hear the the common criticisms and like there is a genuine you know i saw a lot of people reacting to them announcing this slate and be like oh my god it will never end will it and it's like well no did you ever think it would but i mean, I mean yeah like you look at it and say like the highest grossing movie of all time came out attached to this franchise they're not gonna stop making these movies if they carry on making money but um, it's like, i think some people genuinely thought this is just a silly little project and I, I guess some people just are a little bit like how many superheroes can there possibly be not realizing that each of the major companies has literally thousands of characters to play with. I mean, um, like, we're going to get to a point where diminishing returns. Like, oh, I doubt course. Marvel are going to have gold balls as, like, <laughs> leading a movie in the next five years or so. Hey, you do not besmirch gold balls. But there is this general sentiment of uh, not backlash. I mean, there is a bit of that. But, like, you do hear, like, the Marvel formula. You know, heavy amounts of green screen, incredibly quippy, minimal amount of, sort of, building up the villain, and it just sort of leads to a sort of world-ending scenario and you know they're very similar in structure and style and a lot of the action sequences are directed by second units and they end up looking the same and there's a bit of a sort of company mandate about what this will look like visually yeah like the, the lighting is terrible so that it can be completely flat so the special effects can look yeah. the same and it doesn't matter what tv or what cinema screen you look at it's all very much like we are going for lowest common denominator everyone can have a base level good time yes. rather than thinking of this is a piece of art. I do think 
that there is care put into these movies, but I don't think that the direction of these movies is like the same as like a Yorgos Yanthimos movie. <laughs> They're not thinking that much about composition and how this looks and stuff like that so much as can we convey this this information as easily and visually simply as possible. Yeah. Um, well, there's this like accusation that it's like the Marvel machine, you know, like they're taking whatever creative flair that their writers and directors are coming up with and then they're running it through the machine and it's coming out the other end not completely processed and flat and because I think every one of them has heart and I think it would be difficult to deny that. Yeah, people are just like, oh great, we're going to have another quippy hero, there's going to be another joke and it's going to skew more humory and it's why there are some people who do latch on to the DCEU as being like the antidote to the MCU because <laughs> it doesn't make the heroes be no, quippy just... and jokey and stuff like that but the thing is I think it takes it in the complete opposite direction where it doesn't let them be funny at all. They're all sad <laughs> boys. I mean, I will say for them, they have injected a huge amount of fun into their side of things. I don't know if Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey, whatever the full subtitle is, will be as fun as that tiny little scissor rail seemed like it would be. But I saw that and was immediately like, that looks cool. Is that the next superhero movie we're getting? Is that before Black Widow? Obviously Joker's coming out later on this year, but I feel like the next... fucking count. Birds of Prey is out in February of 2020. So yeah, it's the next superhero movie we're going to be getting, which the full title, and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. There you go. Marvel do definitely, I think, need to change things up a little bit. I would like to see them get into genre movies a little bit. And like, they pay lip service here and there. Spoilers for in a minute, but like... Doctor Strange is threatening to be their first scary movie. It's like, I bet we'll come out and there'll be, like, tidy amounts of it. But I would like to see them do something that isn't just the book-standard Marvel movie. I have said endlessly I would like to see them just do like a character drama with just a character that happens to be a superhero based thing like I don't know who you do that with maybe you do tap Noah Hawley to work on Doom for Phase 5 or something but some of these there might be a chance to make something a bit different and I and I think everyone would like to see them mix things up visually and let some of these filmmakers put their own stamp on this work because you can see the directors who got their own way a bit more than the others uh, in the first three phases. The thing I'll say, for the kind of like two or three directors, there's one notable exception that got their way, are very TV-like. J- Joss Whedon and James Gunn very much got their way, and whilst I think they did do some very visually interesting things with their movies, they're also, Joss Whedon obviously came up, his entire training of directing is from directing Buffy and Firefly and all those kind of things, and so he has that kind of like get in, get out quickly, make it visually readable. And whilst James Gunn's never had like a particularly long history in TV, I don't think he's directed that much. It's, he still has that kind of like, not everyman's style, but he's not as stylized as some of these other directors that they've, they've chosen. And then Coogler's probably the only other one, but then yeah. Coogler is Oscar, Oscar-nominated Oscar director. He is their one kind of like outlier in terms of hmm. what he's done for but, his movies. But then even Black Panther, I, I think it is the most joyous of these formula ones but even that does fit into that form- formula where it's like we're gonna have the big middle of the movie action scene and then the all is lost moment and then it's gonna turn into just a CGI nonsense fight at the end yeah I mean I've heard that like, a big reason why the kind of ending is as flawed as it is is because they changed the design of the suit the last minute uh, okay. and so basically like that's why the final fight looks so bad is because the CGI wasn't finished and if they'd had like <laughs> three or four iterations to like what it looked like it would look fine and 
so it yeah. looks really classicky and bad and I don't think it hurts the movie I think it is I mean I've said it's my, it's my second favourite MCU movie still to this point sure. it's the only one I think deserves its Oscar nomination even if I think Avengers is the better movie it also falls into they have an obsession with having the villain be like the twisted mirror image of the hero which yeah. started with Iron Man 1 and like Killmonger was very different to T'Challa right up until he puts on the gold suit or the leopard version of the suit or whatever and it's like I realised that he kind of needed that to match him in some ways but it would have almost been cooler if he remained in his own get up I think and then doing his own thing but yeah I think they also need a different kind of villain like they've hit on some really good ones but they are very seemingly obsessed with this thing of like mirroring the villain and the hero and that is interesting conceptually it's just like I wish it were more character based and less like Iron Man's fighting an Iron Man and (laughs) Black Panther's fighting another Black Panther and, and this sort of stuff so I would like to see villains of a slightly different ilk and I think we also need a lot more diversity in who is making Marvel movies. Captain Marvel was like the first female director and it was co-director. Yes, Anna Bowden and Ryan Flett, they obviously co-wrote the script and stuff like that. That is the first. It's the thing, like, we got in the two movies in a row we got first in that we got a female titled movie which was Ant-Man and the Wasp, so co-titled and Captain <laughs> Marvel, which was the first solo titled movie but had a co- And we also need a lot more non-straight characters and we need a lot more non-white characters other than Black Panther who are like in prominent roles. Like, I feel like there is always an Asian scientist or an Asian something to seemingly satisfy the the Eastern market in terms of getting that box office gross. But we need like prominent characters who are not white and also not necessarily straight. More diversity. I mean, and, and I think we are going to be touching on like the fact that they do seem to be trying that. I mean, like the first two movies of Phase 4 are going to have female directors yeah. and then we move immediately into the very obvious pandering to the Asian market movie. They are starting to get better I think this is the first phase that Feige has where he is completely out from under the thumb of Marvel proper and he doesn't have to listen to Ike Perlmutter anymore this I, is Alan Horn's Disney not Perlmutter's Disney yeah, I know it seems like Ike was kicked out a while ago so people are like well how come it hasn't been reflected but like movies take a, a while to make it takes a while for these kinds of change to take effect and I hope that I believe Kevin Feige is a nice man with good social and moral values and I think he sincerely wants to represent the kinds of things that we're all asking for. I think the important distinction there is saying like whether or not it's something that Kevin Feige wants or whether or not it's something that Kevin Feige sees there being money in and I think you kind of do have to weigh up those two things which I is I do think I do it's not like that but yeah. I don't I don't think I don't think you can say this but I have to say I do think Disney wouldn't greenlight a movie if they didn't think it could make money and I think it's oh, very yeah. interesting that like they've started to greenlight more and more of these things as it becomes more and more apparent that they are going to start making money. And I don't think it is say, like it is cynical in the same time as it's being, it's a good thing. Yes, we are going to get this flawed representation because it is being done by a capitalist organisation intent on making money. By every also, other company. <laughs> by every other company, but it is also going to inspire a new generation, hopefully, of filmmakers, of people who can see themselves on the screen right now. Yes. And I think I, it, it's whether or not you weigh up those two things as being equal in their negative impact and their positive impact. And I think both of us are kind of 
struggling in the middle right now. And obviously there are people who think that because Disney keep on making good movies that they can ignore the flaws in Disney's filmmaking. And there's people out there who think because of just how evil Disney are in terms of how little money's trickling down through the company that they are abhorrent and they won't pay for them. And I see both of these thoughts going on on my Twitter. And I do think that you and I are kind of like more in the middle where like Mm -hmm. we haven't reached that tipping point yet of this is problematic for us to carry on supporting these movies. And as long as phase four hits and the representation isn't awful and pandering, I think we're going to kind of stay in that middle track. Yeah, I think we've been saying all along, hey, I love this movie, but I would like to see more of this. And it's the stuff we've just been talking about. And it's not that if this isn't immediately apparent in every single phase four project that I'm out, but I do think you've hit a nice sort of resting point. Ike is firmly gone. You are walking on air with like your success. Like Endgame was the biggest movie ever. I feel you've kind of got carte blanche to do what you want. And like, I think that is representative in some of these projects that they've announced that it might have been unwise to announce previously and what is not there and all of that. So I think this is the chance. It's like, right, prove it. Go out there and give us some of this stuff and do something a bit different. And if we come to phase five and we've gotten another 10 projects that are like almost exactly like what came before and it's just like a scene here and a line there and an actor there, it's like, that's not good enough. So I would like to see some major change, but again, I do like what they do. It's just I would like some some more of that stuff. Okay, so following the end of Endgame, where is everything at? Tony Stark is dead, Black Widow is dead, Vision is dead, Thanos is erased. I am reasonably sure way down the line they will bring Thanos back somehow. Steve Rogers, he's not dead, but he's gone. Like, he he retired and grew old. Sam Wilson has the shield. There's a 2014 version of Gamora running around with no memory of the Guardians. Valkyrie is King of Asgard. Thor went off with the Guardians. The world knows Peter Parker is Spider man and thinks he's a terrorist and there is ostensibly no avengers team because captain marvel's off in space black panther is presumably back in wakanda doing wakandan kingly duties we have no idea what's going to go on with hulk we have no idea what's happening with that man and the wars. well hulk has fucked his arm up because of using the gauntlet yeah but not like so, forever ever ever like i think i think they've said that hulk will not be a presence as like a fighting force okay but like that he made himself smart hulk that dude must be doing something we just don't know what sure. it is sure at the end of Endgame because they just were like fuck off Hulk we're gonna have this be about these people I think that's every like major character is vaguely accounted for there but Strange probably goes Strange. back Sorry, yeah. probably goes back to protect the Santa Sectorum Ant-Man presumably has got five years worth of catching up with his daughter to do <laughs> yeah Pe- yeah, I- yeah like Pepper's off to raise Morgan yeah like you know that that's sort of your sort of state of play like the big deaths the big retirements and the big changes so we're gonna go through all these announcements we will probably spend longer on some than others. Uh, our first one, Black Widow, release is going to be released May of 2020, directed by Kate Shortland, written by Jack Schaefer, who will also be showrunning WandaVision, and Ned Benson, who wrote The Disappearance of Eleanor Rigby. <laughs> Black Widow's dead, so they have confirmed this is set immediately after Civil War. This is the time frame of the... Did they call themselves, like, the New Avengers or anything like that? We'll see whether or not we get cameos from, like, Steve Rogers or from Falcon or anything like that in the movie, because this does feel like it's very much like a Black Widow and will she be blonde by the end of it? I'm just imagining the kind of thing where, like, she telephones Cap or whatever it is yeah. and says, like, I've got to do a solo meeting, a solo mission, because well, something's come up. Yeah, I mean, the plot is... All we really know is it's going to involve, like, the Red Room and stuff. I, like, 
like Kevin Feige said, the little dream sequences in Ultron where like you see some of her past at the school and like tra- having to kill someone and, and all of that, and him wanting to do more with that in the future. And like they, th- this is immediately something that is a sign that Feige's finally got that full control because he's been wanting to make a Black Widow movie for fucking forever. Like uh, since like they debuted her in Iron Man two, he's been fighting and losing that battle, and finally we have this Black Widow movie. And I still think it's too late. Well, it's not too late, but you know, no, it's a, it's an interesting creative decision to do it a year after the character died in the biggest movie of all time, especially when they robbed her of that like proper farewell. So and, I, and I super is... hope this movie is potentially bookended. I don't know, like you, you've got them like looking over some files of her cases or something, and like it ends with a funeral or begins with a funeral. I don't know something. Like we need that like proper. I feel like this more than any other project we got feels like a passing of the torch movie because you've cast Florence Pugh who is slowly becoming like one of the big up and coming stars she's still cheap enough to like probably get for like less money than Scarlett Johansson was because Scarlett Johansson even at that time when she was casting Iron Man 2 was becoming the big bankable star that she eventually became thanks in part of these movies well we said Um, like in Avengers she was probably the biggest actual bankable star of that group if you wrote that list of actors up before Robert Downey Jr. had his huge renaissance like she was probably the biggest star of those six yeah that's the thing and so Florence Pugh feels like especially because she's playing Yelena Belova who is yeah. another Black Widow she yes. probably was raised in the same facility as Black Widow and like you know will we get her appearing in the future as a using the code name of Black Widow who knows like some people that's that would probably be a little bit of a bitter pill to swallow but you know maybe if it's a version that like gets more pathos from the go and like I, I don't know what their plans are like yeah. Yelena has been a rival Yelena has been a friend like will she be a protege because there were a lot of names that they were calling out that they were looking for and they were looking at like uh, like an Emma Watson and, and all these other people and it's like is this going to be Spider-Woman is this yeah I feel, like, I feel like this, this, the people they were looking at for this role is too big for it to not be a continuing force in the MCU I feel it's interesting that they've decided that this is the like the two archetypes they've decided that need to continue are Widow and Captain America, really. Although I guess you could argue as well that Spider-Man's going to be taking over the, the Iron Man role, but it's, it's very interesting. David Harbour is going to be playing the Red Guardian, who is basically like the Soviet Union's answer to, to Captain America. Like, he even has a shield with the with the sort of Soviet Union red star on it. They've said Taskmaster is going to be the villain. Taskmaster was in the clips they showed at Comic-Con. Yeah, and there's like concept art out there and stuff. It's like, but they haven't attached an actor to that role, so my immediate instinct is... Red Guardian becomes Taskmaster, or Rick Mason becomes Taskmaster. Yeah, I mean, you've got you've got three actors in the cast that could conceivably play Taskmaster. David Harbour, O.T. Fagnell, and Ray Winston could all quite easily... I mean, Ray Winston could voice Taskmaster. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing someone on the internet kind of go, like, Taskmaster's the key to unleashing uh, Deadpool into the MCU, and I'm suddenly going, like, could you imagine if you got Ryan Reynolds to play Taskmaster? <laughs> Taskmaster's kind of a cool villain, like, he can... He uh... looks fucking dumb, like, you look yes. at Taskmaster and you sit there and go like they're not going to translate this son. and I've not actually seen the Taskmaster concept art from Comic Con so I need to see this it's like a slightly toned down version like you've got the skull mask and the cape but his... okay, yeah yeah it, it looks sort of like Ghost from Ant-Man his gimmick is he can copy any fighting move he sees so he can basically fight anyone in the MCU to a standstill and given that Black Widow is 
presented as one of the best, if not the best, hand-to-hand fighters in the MCU. Like, and is cunning. Like, that seems like a good match for her. I guess. I guess the interesting would be like I, a little bit sexist in that I only list the males. Like Rachel Vice could also quite easily play Taskmaster. That'd be a fun. True. She uh, she's listed as Melina, who will be, I guess, like one of the instructors at one of these schools or whatever. Or like do we a... reckon they're gonna pull back and get some of the stuff that Joss Whedon did in Age of Ultron? Maybe. Uh, who was it? Who was he cast in Age of Ultron? As, uh, Julie Delpy. That'd be fun. Maybe they bring her in. And like they've they've said that they will do some reference to Budapest, which has been an ongoing joke since Avengers. And I think Scarlett Johansson has been a little bit coy about whether Renner will do a cameo. I think that would probably be for the best if we saw this Budapest mission in some way, shape, or form. I mean, yeah, this movie's got flexibility to kind of go backwards and forwards through time. We imagine that they'll be showing some childhood stuff for her. Yeah. There might even be some kind of like stuff that takes place in the blip period. Yeah, maybe. Um, they have a lot of flexibility what yeah. they do with this movie. I think it's an interesting enigma. We know more or less what this. We know what it's going to look like. Yeah. I think the interesting part of it is how they fit it around what has happened to Black Widow. I hope we get kind of a. I don't mean this as a pejorative, but like a sort of quick and dirty, like stunt heavy, not gritty, but you know, like spy movie. You know, like an atomic blonde, uh, like that sort of thing, rather than like the giant CGI world ending thing. Like I would like to see something a little bit more John Wicky or. or yeah, or... I mean the the fact that this movie's only been filming for about thirty days. I think what they said um, yeah. at Comic Con, and you've hired someone like Kate Shortland, who's definitely known for kind of more small scale kind of like psychological thriller stuff I imagine this movie will have a fairly short post-production yeah exactly we want to see like a Mission Impossible a Bourne an Atomic Blonde a John Wick something like that not like your typical MCU lasers everywhere Captain America Winter Soldier for the first two acts before the giant CGI there you go helicarrier show up oh shit what if it just comes through and it's just like everything that people think Winter Soldier is and conveniently ignore the end of that would be great (laughs) speaking of Winter Soldier Falcon and the Winter Soldier is hitting Disney Plus at launch, which they've said will be August 2020. I cannot believe they haven't changed the fucking name of this thing, because The Falcon and The Winter Soldier is a terrible name. Like, it's the worst title of all the shows that they've got for there. Like, at least WandaVision's, like, clever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand that's what you want to call it before Endgame hits, and you're like, right, okay, here you go. Sam is now Captain America. Like, why isn't this called Captain America? I, something like, I don't know, but The Falcon and The Winter thing Soldier... Is, I, think Captain, I think Captain America and The Winter Soldier would rankle people. I think they made the smart choice in that they've chosen the Falcon to be Captain America. And whilst I think it's important for children to see people they identify as as being these kind of superheroes, I think they've made this correct choice of having him be Captain America in all but name. In that, like, he is Captain America, but he is maintaining his own identity. I, I figure by the end of this he will have that name but this will be kind of him sort of resisting being called it and like Bucky maybe teasing him about it and like calling him Cap and him being like hey don't call me that and like by the end of it it's like yeah he's Captain America now but they don't use the name as liberally as they did with Steve Rogers I don't know but six episodes show run by Malcolm Spellman who's done although interestingly Derek Kolstad who's written the John Wick movies has come on fairly recently and it mm. sounds like I don't know the way they phrased his his coming on it sounded like either a co-showrunner or like he'd be very heavily involved maybe he's he's doing the action scenes 
Maybe, but like, yeah, like when you hire the guys from John Wick, I'm immediately more excited. Um, oh yeah. yeah, especially when you consider that Malcolm Spellman is involved in Confederate, <laughs> which eesh, every episode is going to be directed by Carrie Skogland, who, if I'm pronouncing that right, who's involved with Hammer's Tale. She wrote an episode of The Punisher. She did Borgias, Americans, a fuck ton of shows. Yeah, like, it's, it's a good, it's a good TV thing. So this is probably my least excited of the kind of four that are announced, but it's also kind of like emblematic of my issues with these kind of things. Is that we've seen Marvel not be particularly good in TV. Mm-hmm. And whilst I'm happy that these are all going to be like six episodes, the choices of showrunners are not particularly like enthusing me. Like Derek Colstead's probably the best showrunner we've heard so far in that yeah. he's a proven talent, but his talents are also in movies. And so I'm worried like, because TV is a very different set of muscles to movies in that yeah. it's, it is more of a writer-driven medium. And I imagine these are going to be these big budget things. And so they might have more forceful directors that are involved in them. But when you think of the list of like the MCU writers, the only ones who really kind of feel important to the project they're on is Marcus and McFeely. Yeah. And I'm just worried that this kind of shift from being director-driven or having directors who are quite easily controllable to a writer-driven medium in which you have to spread a, a, a two-and-a-half-hour, three-hour story across six hours might be the first true tripping point. This isn't something we've really talked about, that, like, yeah, Disney Plus will be launching, and there have been Marvel TV shows before, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has been around forever, and it's finally ending, I think, with this upcoming season. Those are ostensibly canon, because, like, the Netflix shows, like, they reference the MCU, but the MCU has never referenced them. It's not that the MCU really references Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but, like, they're more willing to acknowledge that's a thing that is real. Yeah, so, like, on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you've had Nick Fury show up, Hmm. and Agent Carter's been there, and obviously, like, like Agent Carter was where the first crossover into the, the movies happened. They're, they're, they're more willing with these ABC shows than they were for anything else. But I do think it's important to say that like Marcus McFeely wrote the pilot episode for Agent, Agent Carter and the, the Russos directed a couple episodes, I think. Alright. So th- there, are, there are closer ties to Agent Carter. Hey Ben, it, should yeah. I watch Agent Carter, do you think? You should watch Agent Carter. <laughs> I mean, I say a couple. I think Joe Russo directed like one. Okay. But like, Marcus McFeely wrote the first episode yeah. and Russo directed the second episode of the first season. So they were obviously involved in the setup for that show. But we have here full TV shows that are 100% in the MCU. They are part of a phase. Like... They got announced at Comic-Con. Exactly. They were, like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. had a Comic-Con panel the day before in like the third biggest ballroom <laughs> and wasn't even mentioned during this. Even at a point where like they are in the time period of the blip, but I don't think the blips happened. Yeah, and it's like they let them invoke the MCU and, and incorporate that into their plot, but it's not that there's going to be a movie that comes out that is going to heavily rely on you having seen anything that happened in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And like, I, th- I think the closest they got to that was the heli carrier that showed up at the end of Age of Ultron was built by the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That flew over most people's heads. These are being treated as essentially movies, but as TV. Like, this this is an MCU entry. You know, the next time you see Sam Wilson, he could ostensibly be wearing a Captain America suit and stuff that we see him put on in this show. And, like, events will take place, as, theoretically, in the Disney Plus shows that they're gonna assume you have seen in the same way they assume you have seen all the movies that came before. So now that we're at this point, so we have replacements, hypothetically, for five of the big six Avengers. Hulk's the only one that doesn't really have a replacement as of yet. How would you feel about an Avengers team that was made up of Falcon, Yelena, Peter Parker, Kate Bishop, and uh, Jane Foster? Good. I would want Captain Marvel and Black Panther to be in there as well. Oh, I'm, I'm sure they will be, but I'm saying, like, like they, they very notably, as we're going through this, I'm really realizing that like they have got figures to replace five of the six so far i mean my instinct is you're lacking a bit of star power there but like the avengers was lacking star they became stars through the avengers like like, 
you look at you look at that and like Florence Pugh is up and coming. Anthony Mack has been around forever. Tom Holland is obviously like next generation of superstars as well. Yeah. And we don't know who's playing Kate Bishop yet. That's probably the biggest casting gap that they had at this panel. And then Natalie Portman's probably the biggest star. Yeah. Yeah. If, yeah, they, if they tie her to anything else, I don't think they'll get her to be Jane in many many movies personally. <laughs> but that is a thing. What will the future Avengers team look like? And I'd feel good about it. But we'll see what happens with Falcon and Winter Soldier. Like they're talking about it as like a classic buddy movie like uh i really loved in civil war these two just fucking hating each other but being cap's friend like them in the in the little car together and both getting their asses kicked by spider-man and be like i hate you (laughs) yeah i think i think the most important thing is they've said this is gonna be like midnight run yes which is fun and we do also will finally get some payoff to emily van camp yes emily Uh, van camp is coming back daniel brule is coming back he's gonna wear the mask the baron zemo mask i mean i know his helmet zemo but I would also be intrigued if this ties into the rumour that James Gunn, his next movie after Guardians 3, was going to be Thunderbolts. Mm. And obviously Zemo is very important to that first generation of Thunderbolts. And it'd be very interesting to see whether or not they're setting it up, or whether or not James Gunn has taken his script for Thunderbolts and gone to make a Suicide Squad movie. I That's my instinct. But I would <laughs> like to see a Thunderbolts movie, yeah. But I think that's a pretty safe one to start off with. Like, the Winter Soldier name is one that it has a lot of weight because of Captain America Winter Soldier. And it, it straight away says, hey yeah this is we're using the mcu actors you're not getting like knockoff versions of anyone and i know they're not the two biggest people but that almost feels like the thing it's like right we would love to make a movie for you but it's not that you're being relegated to tv but we're gonna get people that they will never like green light full-on movies for are gonna get a chance to shine and like maybe they do really well and they do get movies in the future but it's weird to think that eternals and shang chi can get a green light (laughs) and falcon and winter soldier can't and scarlet witch and the vision can't and loki can't and hawkeye can't these are all people that have been there and they've proven that they can make any of these movies a hit like the only one of these franchises that has not given them a recognizable massive blockbuster hit is ant-man at this point even Doctor Strange like I think everyone's expecting Doctor Strange 2 to do gangbusters well speaking of The Eternals November 2020 directed by Chloe Zhao who was in the running to direct Black Widow written by Matthew and Ryan Furpo who I think are in the writers program for Marvel because they don't have any kind of filmography I can find the cast for this is crazy and like doing an Eternals movie feels like such a we can make anything type flex because but it's weird though because like obviously they didn't want to make Inhumans because that was being forced on them by Perlmutter and it was very much like a fuck you Fox for keeping the X-Men we're gonna do our other X-Men well you even speculated that what if Eternals is just a fake name they're using and once they're allowed to say they got X-Men it's like this is actually the X-Men but no this is a full on Eternals movie which is I don't know diddly squat about the Eternals in terms of no comic. one knows diddly squat about the Eternals are they, are they basically a Marvel rip off of the New Gods from yes DC? but it's done by Jack Kirby yeah so Jack Kirby leaves Marvel like in the 1970s or whatever goes to DC and starts doing the New Gods he gets the New Gods cancelled so he goes back to Marvel and then basically just picks up all the toys that he was building with the New Gods and then makes a new story that also gets cancelled and get finished yeah so this is weirder than like oh Thanos is just an obvious ripoff of Darkseid this is literally <laughs> yeah. Jack Kirby's second attempt to at doing a story of like cosmic beings dealing with kind of godhood and familial relationships and stuff like that the Marvel Unlimited app did like a little thing where it was like here's our recommended Eternal stories and it's like here's this story from the 70s here's <laughs> Neil Gaiman's attempt at doing a reboot in the early 2000s bye that's it, yeah. that's it. and there's a couple of projects afterwards like there's some Daniel Lacuna's got one that he drew a couple of years ago I know 
know that Jason Aaron's current Avengers run is picking up Eternals toys quite heavily, or at least Celestial toys, I know. <laughs> there is nothing to uh, base this off of. This isn't even like Guardians, where like... I was God- about to say, like, the, the, the immediate counter and then counter to the counter is that, like, Guardians may have been such a hit because they had more of a blank slate and there was no, like, cultural cachet of, of that name, but then I would imagine if I'd said that, you would have countered. But they did use the framework of those recent runs to build Yeah, exactly. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like they literally took. I mean, obviously James Gunn made the characters more like James Gunn, but the reason they did it was because this was like the most hyped up kind of like underground Marvel comic run of the last couple of years. Yeah, where it's like the public may not know who they are, so it's like there's you've got a blank slate, but there is an audience, no matter how small, for it. Whereas there are no fucking Eternals fans out there, but <laughs> you know, challenge extended, I guess, to them, and they want to do it as like you know, this is a race of alien creatures who have inspired myths and legends and godhoods there are characters called like Icarus and and, and Ajax Athena and or Thea yeah. I think she's Thena, called yeah and like you've also got the fact that like they're rumoured to be putting Hercules in this and they're going to cast Ooh. like either a either an LGBTQ gay or bisexual actor to play it I don't, I don't know why that isn't on this cast list but like Hercules is obviously going to be the more memorable version of this that would be uh, the smartest possible way to get Hercules into the MCU without having to be like yeah all the Greek gods were real so let's just run down this cast. So we've got Richard Madden of Game of Thrones and recently Emmy nominated for Bodyguard. Kamal Najiani of Silicon Valley. Lauren Ridloff who most notably uh, is actually deaf and will be talking with ASL throughout the movie. Yeah, no no deaf Hawkeye but she will be deaf. She will be deaf. <laughs> Brian Tyree H- Henry from uh, everything. Uh, <laughs> Atlanta, Atlanta Spider-Verse. Summer Hayek, probably the second biggest actress of this selection in terms of prior... And she, she's playing like their, their matriarch, their leader sort of thing, yeah. I think. And then we've got Leah McHugh. This is one of her first film roles. Like She's done like a couple of small things, but she's also going to be playing Sprite. She's 11 or 12 years old, wow. <laughs> they're, they're estimating. So she's very young. Mardon Siok, or Don Lee as he's known. Okay. Uh, most famous for Train to Busan, which is a fantastic little Korean horror movie. And then the big get, Angela Jolie. Yes, who was in talks to direct like a Captain Marvel or something like that, but they got her to star in one of their movies instead. So they, they won Tudor there. Interesting that she, I don't want to say like she's a fully like independent spirit or whatever and would never do like a big blockbuster thing because, you know, she did Tomb Raider and she's done things like that. But I feel over the last decade, she's been kind of not absent from the screen, but kind of just picking her own stuff so it is interesting to me that she came on board with this and I think it is it speaks to what they're trying to do here with this cast knowing nothing of what their plot is going to be and villains and, and runs it's invoking of which we just said they're probably fucking none I think there is a real hope and, and knowing who the director is there's a real hope this is going to be something quite special yeah, it I mean, probably I- won't do well but I think it will be very well received critically is my hope. Millie Bobby Brown was rumoured to be in it but I imagine and she'd be playing the sprite character. Okay. Would be my guess. Well, like, but then obviously they're making it a little bit older. They've said they want this to centre around the character of Cersei, but there is no one that I can see who has been cast as Cersei. I think that was who Angelina Jolie was rumoured to be. I think there was right. very much like lots of debate about who different people were playing. This movie is very much showed in secrecy, and I think they're just about to start filming, so we might start seeing some costumes and stuff like that. Mm. I imagine they're going to be more confident. I, didn't, they were, they were... didn't Neil Gaiman's run centre on Cersei, and I think they were going to try and invoke that. And... I mean, like that is the the most notable kind of like recent run. Even if you're looking at um, Inhumans, which is the most easy to 
comparison of they abandoned that movie, but it's very much Jack Kirby, very much inspired by his designs. Even that had a run within the last kind of 10 years that was quite critically acclaimed, which is the Paul Jenkins, Jay Lee run. This has, I, I don't even think like people bring up the Neil Gaiman run as being particularly special. No, and if you look at everything that dude's done, this would not make his top five or probably yeah, even top 10. Exactly. What's given them confidence in this is The Guardians of the Galaxy has obviously been a massive hit. The fact that the, the Kirbyisms in Thor Ragnarok hit as well as they did, I think that's why they're leaning into this. And also they want to try and beat DC to the screen with New Gods, where they got Ava DuVernay and Tom King working yeah. on that. Oh yeah, completely forgot. They are totally doing that. So we'll see. That's probably going to be weird and a financial nightmare. I mean, you know, we'll see. There, there've been so many films where it's been like, this isn't going to make money, and then it fucking did, because Marvel I think, I think, are unstoppable. But I think the interesting thing to look at is how well Maleficent 2 does later on this year. While she's been away, like Maleficent 1 was a massive hit. Yeah. She has directed Unbroken in the last decade. She's obviously kind of like not done a lot of stuff in the last like five or six years, but she's got Maleficent 2 later on this year, which if it is as big a hit as Maleficent 1, then it's, then it's gangbusters. So I, I think that's the only kind of like bankable actor you've got in this. Yeah. I sort of applaud them for building a cast like this that it is a very interesting group of people and like not necessarily people other than Angelina Jolie who like none of these people are really alien like Summer Hayek was once I don't want to diss her but you know she's she's not like the big deal she once was and it's just like here's an interesting group of people who are multi-ethnic and, and, and diverse in their backgrounds and stuff so yeah good on them we'll see if, if that diversity desire is met here and it seems to be speaking of diversity uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is coming February 2021 directed by Destin Daniel Cretton who uh, did Short Term 12 which we are big fans of here and written by David Callahan, who is doing Wonder Woman 1984 Zombieland 2 and Spider-Verse 2 amongst the various things he's done so that dude's got quite a future coming his way let's hope he turns out to be less of a David Goyer <laughs> <laughs> so this was one of the heavily rumoured things they were going to do for a while now because Asia is obviously a huge market well China specifically is a huge market in terms of global box office and Iron Fist is very much white dudes invoking these sort of eastern ideas and stuff but Shang-Chi is like the real deal an Asian superhero in Marvel Marvel's sort of canon and like I've mentioned it's problematic in its own way in the yep. fact that it's very like it's at a point where Marvel had the rights to Fu Manchu <laughs> I didn't um, know that was a thing is, you could have rights to but sure uh, yeah like they had rights to that and it's awful because he's his father and it's this kind of very 1970s pulp thing I've heard the comics are like very fun but they're also fun in the same way that like the Luke Cage and the Iron Fist comics of the 1970s are fun they're not they're more historical curios than they are like things that hold up nowadays and again like the Eternals I can't like that is the run I have to reach to to kind of like I mean to me Shang-Chi only exists as like a member of when they made the Avengers bigger for uh, Jonathan Hickman's run like uh, Shang-Chi like was a member of the team there and I was like okay if you say so but like he he's not really doing anything there. yeah like there's there's a couple of like one issue stories there's an issue that I think David Aha drew written by Warren Ellis in, on Secret Avengers which is really fantastic it's about a year or two before the Hawkeye run that he's famous for start 
but I don't think he did anything much in the yeah. Avengers run. So I again, possible blank slate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like they've they've got a lot to work with. I think the more interesting things that came from that announcement, they announced the casting of Simu Liu on the day. He seems like a really nice guy based he, on his tweets. Uh, he has become one of my favorite people based on his Twitter account. Like he seems like a funny dude. Tony Leung as Mandarin. Jesus Christ, like Tony Leung, <laughs> yeah, star of Hard World, Internal Affairs, one <laughs> of the greatest Asian actors. Yes, they've finally made good on their threat that Sir Ben Kingsley is not the real Mandarin and the real Mandarin is out there. So I guess speaking of problematic, they're going to do an authentic ass Mandarin. It's like, please, please update this for the time. I don't think they will. I think if you cast Tony Leung, they're not going to give him the fucking Fu Manchu or anything yeah. like that. He's going to be like a businessman or something like yes. that, a running a terrorist organization. I mean, the Ten Rings as an organization uh, has been around since Iron Man 1, long before they did actual Mandarin. And like, you know, all the people who are like, yes, finally real Mandarin. It's like, fuck off. Like, you know, they're going to change it again. I hope you know that. Like, he's not going to be fucking sitting there in the like fucking green kimono. And The only reason I'm excited for them doing Mandarin is because they got to get this big. Any other actor, any other movie, I'd be like, really, you're doing Mandarin. But yeah. like the fact that they're going for Tony Leung, I'm yeah. just like, okay, I will watch Tony Leung as, I don't want to say mustache twirling villain, but like the <laughs> villain of this movie. Yeah. And then Aquafina yeah. as the female role. They haven't announced who should be playing, but yeah, like this this cast. Really that's that's a hell of a trio. And and the director and hopefully the writer. I mean, he's at least attached a big project. So he, if he's bad, he's tricking his way into a lot of, of good things, I guess. But yeah, that director and this trio of stars, like that alone, I'm like, yep, fucking sign me up. I will see you there. WandaVision coming in early 2021. Six to eight episodes. They haven't committed to how many exactly. Showrunner Jack Schaefer, who, as I said, Black Widow. Concerningly, she did that movie, The Hustle, which seemed terrible. Yeah, uh, yeah. We've heard some mixed things in terms of plot details here where like it takes place after Endgame and it leads directly into Doctor Strange 2 like this is the first explicitly like this will directly impact a movie and like we've said like probably the Falcon and the Butt and the Winter Soldier will have future ramifications but this is full on hey what happens here will be referenced and like be important to the plot of Doctor Strange and, Sh- and Scarlet Witch will be in Doctor Strange 2 but also they have talked about how this will feature some kind of 50 style. All this made me think is like, she's trying to like, rebuild Vision, or fix him or something like that, or maybe she's having a bit of a... The, the, the most famous Scarlet Witch story is of course, House of M. Yes, where she uh, has it, a complete breakdown and breaks the universe. <laughs> yeah, I have to imagine it'll be something akin to Scarlet Witch has, I don't want to say mental breakdown, but no. she creates probably a pocket universe where she is living a very 1950s style housewife, house husband. Yes, which which makes me think of Tom King's vision run where like the the front cover of the very first issue and and of the first volume is this sort of perfect Americana 50s nuclear family of like two children and and a dog and the white picket fence and they're all just smiling and waving at camera that's the first thing I thought of when they said 50s and they said vision I mean like the interesting thing is they've cast Fiona Paris as Monica Rambeau I love her she is wonderful she was fantastic on Dear White People on Mad Men in If Bill Street Could Talk just a wonderful 
wonderful actress, and I am so happy with this casting. Playing Monica Rambeau. She's the daughter of Maria Rambeau from Captain Marvel. So obviously, like, they've taken advantage of the fact that that movie was set in the 90s. We're a good 23 plus years away from that. So, yeah. so the cute kid that is choosing Carol's suit for the end, this is how we're all grown up. So to me, this character has no real kind of history with either Scarlet Witch or Vision, and I don't really see her power set as one that would, like... Uh, that actually could turn into, like, something on the electromagnetic spectrum makes me wonder whether or not okay. this is existing in Vision's mind or something that she's... That's why she's gone to kind of, like, Maybe. investigate. She used to be the leader of the Avengers. Has um, a character had more aliases than Monica Rambeau? <laughs> like, yes, but, like, my favourite run with her in is Next Wave, which is mostly a comedy book, but it's absolutely wonderful. But, yeah, like, I'm so happy that they've cast her yes, and, it's, and done this. It's very cool. This could be good. Paul Bettany's a good actor. I think Elizabeth Olsen has quietly become quite a good actress. Her think, Facebook watch show is very good. I think her dropping the bad accent helped a lot with her acting as as Wanda. And like, I look forward to them trying to dig into this a bit more. And like, you know, I I've said for a long time I want them to just do like a drama movie about a relationship. And I always invoke Mary Jane and Peter Parker and like, you know, just focus on these two and leave all the superhero stuff at the peripheral. And like, maybe they'll do that here. I don't know. Maybe Maybe we'll get into the fantastical with this sort of like 50s fantasy life that's being lived and maybe this is a way that Wanda is dealing with her trauma and who knows we didn't get Tom King mentioned on stage we don't know about that one well that, is... that that motherfucker is writing that fucking New Gods movie <laughs> so fuck him forever this is probably the most unproven creative team for any of these shows that have been out so far like obviously Hawkeye hasn't got anything no there's what what if but we don't know whether or not Jack Sheffield's a good writer we don't know who's directing it I'd love it if they got someone one of the main directors for Mad Men that would be quite a fun little well, throwback. Someone who's used to working in that kind of like t- period time, time space. What we do know is, uh, as mentioned, Wanda will be in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I think that's the title. Not and the, in the. That's coming May 2021. I think I saw someone say that Marvel actually like got the copyright wrong and like they've, they've registered the copyright as being and the madness of the multiverse or something along those lines. Excellent. So. Wonderful. Uh, so Scott Derrickson's coming back. I don't know how good of a directing job he did the first time. I think it was perfectly fine. He, a lot of the stuff that he did was previs. I remember talking to a friend who yeah. worked on the movie, and he was very much like a lot of the effects stuff was previs. And I don't think he wasn't hamstrung by that, but I do think that like a lot of that, the lot of what we remember visually being great about that movie was done in previs. Yeah, and like Dan uh, Harmon worked on it and stuff, and uh, yeah, you get the feeling it was all just there already, and it was like, hey, come do the sequences in between and. Like, I think those were the move. The sequence is the one is good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting that Scott Erickson saying he's going to return to the, the his horror roots because obviously yeah, he's, that, that's Cumberbatch where he's said it's going to be a bit of a horror. And... I'm interested. At the moment, we've only got Cumberbatch and Benedict Wong and Elizabeth Olsen confirmed for the cast, so none, no one returning from first Doctor Strange outside yeah. of Wong and Cumberbatch. Yeah. You know, they've said they're seeking a writer, so I guess John Spates and C. Robert Cargill are <laughs> out the window, but. I know that Derrickson wanted to do characters like Nightmare and possibly Mephisto. And I've, I've heard Nightmare is being thrown around as the villain, but yeah. I'll be sad if we don't get Chuatel or Rachel McAdams to come back. Oh yeah, of course. They fucking did their like whole and now he's wearing a hoodie, didn't they? <laughs> exactly. Like, they set up Chuatel and Jafar to be the villain of the next movie, and now they're saying they're going to do Nightmare. And well, so we what have if this he like... like invokes Nightmare or like unleashes him somehow? Maybe. I, I, but yeah. the, fa- the fact that they haven't announced his casting leaves me a little worried that maybe he does 
doesn't want to come back, or maybe mm-hmm. I, I don't know. We'll find we'll find out. It's not like he's out of the Disney house. He's just rap playing yeah. Scar in The Lion King. He's going to be in Maleficent too. So yeah. I would assume Dormammu returns, and, and you know that was Cumberbatch anyway. So like I'll, maybe they'll change how he looks. I, I don't know. So the title, Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, interesting that like they they tease it as a fake out in Spider Man, where it's like, oh yes, I'm from the multiverse, and then it's like, nah, he's faking it. But then it's like, but here's the real ass multiverse, like the whole Mandarin thing, you know. But could you could you see it as being maybe there isn't a multiverse until Wanda makes one because of the stress Ooh, that goes on in Wanda Vision, hence why it's a multiverse of madness. Like maybe Nightmare has something to do with this going. This is wrong literally with her. her nightmares made flesh. Exactly. So yeah, that could be interesting. Like like she she is profoundly powerful, but doesn't quite have that level of control, and he has to come in and like not fix her mess because that feels a bit misogynistic. But you know, I wonder as well if. Because I mean, Benedict Cumberbatch is a weird dude. He obviously is never struggling for work, but I feel <laughs> I feel his like commitment to Marvel. Like I just expect any minute it's like he's not going to be in any of them anymore. And watched... he seems genuinely happy to be making them. So on, on some level, I'm like, is this him training her to be a protege so they have someone they can consistently get to represent the sort of mystic side of things going I forward? Re- I remember reading the articles that like he wasn't available for filming of Endgame, which is why he's filming... just making he was... water. He, yeah, exactly, because he was filming something else. And I watched the clip, the deleted scene they've got that Gamora, shows Gamora running away. And everyone taking a knee. And everyone taking a knee. And Ben the Cumberbatch is the only one who's like on his own in a close-up. Like? And it's just like, you were not on set the same day as anyone yeah, else. Yeah, like, if you think about when Tony looks at him and he holds up the one, it's like, yeah, almost all of your scenes, you're by yourself, aren't you? The only days you were available to do stuff with other people was like all the stuff in Infinity War. And even then, by the end, you're kind of like segregated from everyone else. He seems happy to be involved. I just think it's trying to get him, and like it's why yeah. I was skeptical he was even going to get cast in the first place because his name was going around to be it before he signed up, and I was like, they won't get him. He's far too busy. And it's like, oh well, here he is. But I could see it being that kind of thing where it's like, right, Wanda is our like she will always be around type figure, but like every now and then you'll get a Doctor Strange cameo where it's like, you know, you think back to the Civil War comic, Doctor Strange is there, but it's like, oh, I'm dealing with other stuff or whatever. Like you know, like it's someone they could visit, and like you can be assured that he's doing important things even if you're not seeing them kind of deal I don't know yeah I'm interested I like the visual stuff in Doctor Strange it isn't my favourite origin movie no I think the the hope and the wish is that it's going to be a whole movie of the weird visual stuff and like and also the horror elements I'm not a huge horror fan but like like I said at the top I'd like to see them get into some more genre stuff and I hope this isn't just lip service and it's like oh we're doing one scary sequence I hope you know even if it's going to make me less inclined to see it because I don't like horror movies I hope they do make a full-on fucking horror movie, albeit one that's like a 12A or whatever. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be a 12A and there won't be much of anything to it. Yeah. And now my biggest disappointment. What, Loki? Oh, I should love everything about this. Coming mid-2021 to Disney+. Plus, Six to eight episodes, show run by Michael Waldron. Who, who is who like, the fuck who is like, that? A, who is like a writer on Rick and Morty. Yeah, but not it's the, the dude that ones. was tangentially involved with Community and Rick and Morty, I believe, yeah. They've said it will explore, because you get the whole scene in Endgame where Loki escapes with the Tesseract, which sort of creates That's an alternate timeline. timeline, yeah, and it's like, you know, Tom Hiddleston said this is one of the greatest creative opportunities he's ever been presented, but is this just PR bullshit stuff that he would say no matter what they'd presented him? I've heard the pitch is Loki through the ages doing his life and interacting with, like, famous historical events. Yes, that, which... and they have an opportunity to have kid Loki 
Buffy and female Loki and Jason Aaron's like more feral Loki and and, and all of that is fine. Yes. But one of my favourite comic book runs of the last decade is Kieran <laughs> Gillen's run on Loki, which is very much riffing on Sandman, but is all about Loki dies in mm. Siege and is reborn as a small child. And the run kind of is all about him trying to prove that he is not the same as the previous Loki. Like, he is not evil. He is good and wants to be good. And it has this tragically dark ending. It's wonderful and fantastic, and I love it to pieces. And so when Loki dies in Infinity War and they announce this show, I'm something I'm like, oh, they're going to stealth do Journey into Mystery. But no, it's adult Loki with Tom Hiddleston. Well, um, I feel you don't get a Loki movie unless... Tom Hiddleston's in it and like you know the speculation was maybe he's just narrating it and you get different actors playing Loki and maybe that is what they're gonna do but like it's just a l- little bit sad like we have like WandaVision could quite easily be based on Tom King run uh, Hawkeye is obviously gonna be based on the, the Matt Fraction run and then this this would have been like like my favourite one of those and yeah I'm sad I'll, pro- I'll watch it I'll probably still enjoy it because I think it's it's gonna have some fun historical stuff yeah. if they do lean into kind of the, the gender fluidity of Loki then that'd be really interesting what if oh, we yeah. did get an episode with a kid playing Loki? Maybe, yeah, maybe exactly. like a one but episode would... journey into mystery. <laughs> but will he be followed round by a, a magpie voiced by Tom Hilson? <laughs> See, that's what you're missing if you don't get journey into mystery. You yeah. don't get Ickle the mad magpie whispering in his ear. Well, everyone's horny for Loki, so they're unleashing <laughs> some porn on Disney Plus, I guess. Speaking of Disney Plus, also coming mid 2021 is What If, which the internet has had fun with renaming stuff like unless question <laughs> episode count and showrunner to be confirmed but it will be an animated series exploring alternate outcomes of key mcu events from the first i like i like that they said we've got no writer or anything like that but here's the list of people who are going to be in it it's like so you have the conversations with the the people first and basically gonna say like right here's our 50 cast members that we can use everyone will a... be voiced by who they were played by in the mcu well not like i don't think robert downey jr is up there i don't think chris evans is up there but like hemsworth is there and, and you know a whole bunch of people it's, it's, it's a big old list the only new casting is um, Jeffrey Wright's going to be playing Uwati the Watcher That's the um, basically who, narrator who potentially we've seen in Gardens of Galaxy 2 we don't know for certain which which one was which no plot is, the, is what is one of them isn't one of them like what if Thanos joined the Avengers is that one of them oh they said when when they're talking about what it is they, they mentioned that what if story from comics so okay. I, I, I think I heard the one was like what if Peggy Carter became Captain America was the one I remember hearing. Okay, and that um, would be yeah. All the other Disney Plus shows, I th- I think they're all meant to be like one hour episodes and short episode counts. I imagine this is going to be like 20, 22 minute type deals. This feels like the biggest stretch that they've done so far. It's animation. It's not live action. Like I'd be really impressed if they did do like kind of like 10, 15 minute short things with the original actors. That would be really impressive. I understand mm-hmm. why they've done it animation. But it is going to feel very different to everything else that's been announced. It's it's odd that this got included as part of Phase because we knew this was coming. But it's odd that well, I don't know if it's odd, but it's like interesting to me that they confirmed this to be part of Phase I Four. Like I can't imagine anything in this movie will have any impact anywhere else unless it's playing off of the multiverse thing. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I think it will be fun. And we'll see what wacky things they invoke. But I mean, this is this is the kind of thing where I'm very much sat there going, like, I need to see what the art style is going to be, mm. who's going to be animating it, who are you going to have as a showrunner? Are you going to have a showrunner, or are you just going to go to the original writers of these movies and ask them to do like an alternate take? You're going to do different art style for every episode. I was going to say, what if they do that like anthology style, like we got a different animation studio to do each episode, or like you know, a couple of them do like three. I, I don't know. And like, what's the episode? Are we looking at a like twenty episode? 
episode cartoon show? Are we looking at a very limited run? Like, who knows? But I mean, they could even do like it's it's a half hour show show, but each one is like a ten minute segment, sort of like how the Cartoon Network shows run, where like yeah. it's two ten minute enclosed things rather than a twenty minute continuous story. Mm. It's a return of the Marvel one shots. <laughs> yeah, it is. This this feels like what they're doing is rather than kind of like getting a school of kind of like TV actors to kind of come in every so often and do little connective tissue. This is an alternative for that. It just feels weird. It could be cool. It could be terrible. It could have the longest legs of anything they've announced because they could do this forever, but who knows? I think this is the only one that feels like it could go beyond season one. Yes. You mentioned earlier Matt Fraction being invoked for Hawkeye. Hawkeye is coming in late 2021 to Disney+. Plus. Episode count showrunner also to be confirmed, but that logo sure is Matt Fraction-y and they have said Kate Bishop will debut here as his protege. They have said they will do some stuff with Ronin and explore his time as Ronin and hopefully they mop up. We didn't mention this when we covered Endgame but like I saw someone point out that like when he's Ronin he is murdering Mexican gangsters and Japanese trash. It's like so he's just killing minorities and it's like that's not something I really thought of when I was watching it but it's like that is an unfortunate through line here so. He was going around the world cleaning up people who he thinks are bad. It's yes. just a shame that the showrunners go like who are the worst gangs in the world? Exactly. Like, <laughs> and like you know maybe we come in here and we suddenly fix a bit of that and make it a little what bit less. What if he came in and was like killing like football hooligans or something? Yeah there you go. The thing I'm most excited about here is this will get Jeremy Renner the fuck out of here and we can have Kate Bishop the one true horse. <laughs> the one, yeah, one true Hawkeye. I mean, the casting is going to be very important on that role. I can't imagine they're going to fuck that up. It's very obviously the Matt Fraction, David Aha run yep. with the logo. Kelly Thompson obviously took over and kind of like took on a, a similar logo when she kind of did the uh, what became a solo Kate Bishop, but pretty much after Hawkeye got arrested for yes. murdering Hulk. There you go, it goes some fucking Comics. places. Anyone listening to this who has not read even at least the first volume of Matt Fraction's Hawkeye run, please just go fucking read it. It is one of the more like non comic book fan friendly comic yeah, books I've like, ever read it's, it's like the artwork is fantastic it's so uh, stylish it's and so it's stylish fun. the entire thing is set in like an apartment complex I he can't has a dog called Pizza Dog he does have a dog called Pizza Dog if they don't do a Pizza Dog solves a murder episode I'm going to riot <laughs> my biggest hope with this is that you know Kate Bishop is in Jeremy Renner retires they've said it's set after Endgame obviously if they're going to do the Ronin stuff you know Kate Bishop can then lead her team of young Avengers <laughs> Yes, I think it's very important to say that like two of these things are posed around characters who are in the Young Avengers, and we have stuff like America Chavez, and oh. there is a whole generation of next generation, like younger characters that they can mine from that I feel are more vital than a lot of what is left of like the adult older characters. Yeah, I think they've like, actually hit a lot of the pretty much all of the big musts for like, the adults. There is pretty much like the X Men and the Fantastic Four are coming, and I'm sure we'll discuss those in a moment. Mm-hmm. Like obviously the street level stuff is being used up. What is She Hulk is. She She-Hulk the only thing that is left untapped. I think everyone else it needs to be like the kids and the new generation who you can exploit young actors and trap them in 10-year contracts for. But here we go, the the project I think almost everyone is the most excited about. Thor Love and Thunder, coming November 2021 to theatres. Taika Waititi is returning as director and he's now getting full writing credit. As you told me at the beginning, the third person in the history of the MCU to get this, our 
after. Joss Whedon for Avengers 1 and Avengers 2 and uh, actually did Joss Whedon get it for Avengers 1? I don't think so he had to split it with Zach Penn yeah, yeah. no so Joss Whedon only got it for Avengers 2 and James Gunn only got it for Guns Galaxy 2 so there's a, a sequence of the second movie getting to do your solo director writer credit I trust you basically <laughs> yeah, after exactly. you made like, a monster we, hit we imagine Ryan Coogler is going to get his chance oh, with yeah, Black Panther I, 2 I assume he's writer and director of Black Panther 2 the reason beyond the fact that you know Ragnarok is fucking dope and injected so much new life into Thor and like made it the own I mean you know this is the first of the solo movies to get beyond a trilogy ordinarily it's like right Thor 1 and 2 eh. Thor 3 so good that you kind of have to do a Thor 4. But that's the thing, it's like, <laughs> Thor has had, they mention, oh, Hulk will have a little three-movie arc with Ragnarok and the two Avengers movies. But no, everyone neglected to say that, like, Thor has had this massive creative resurgence and, mm-hmm. like, urged to see him on the screen with these three movies. Yeah. Like, Chris Hemsworth has gone from being someone who they used well in Thor 1 and then completely fumbled the ball across three movies, pretty much. His best moments in Avengers are, like, his bit, like, adopted brother. Stuff like that. And then we get to Ragnarok rock and it's just like no he's he's our comedy character he's a he funny is. motherfucker who's also like he is a really good actor <laughs> yeah i feel the last two avengers and ragnarok were a massive showcase of like here's everything chris hemsworth can do he should be the guy you are focusing on the most this movie got announced a couple of days beforehand we did we just knew that taika had signed on for, signed on for thor 4 gorgeous and, graphic for this yeah like, it's it's so heavy metal it's, yeah. it's wonderful <laughs> but also um, like neon nonsense you know like the same way ragnarok was like this it's like we're doing like dumbass metal that invokes gods and stuff and we're also doing like campy neon Kirby space nonsense and I love it and yeah and and then so they come out on stage announce it's part of phase four I think everyone kind of assumed that phase four would end in a different way and we'd get panther or something to finish mm. off the phase so they're finishing with this they bring out Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson and, and one, one of the big reasons to love that Tyke is getting full writing credit is Tessa Thompson makes her joke about you know Valkyrie now she's king of Asgard is going to be looking for her queen and like you know Taika makes the excited faces and everything and then they confirm afterwards yes Valkyrie will be an openly queer character Taika was pushing for this when he made Ragnarok it got out there that there was a scene there is a cut scene of a girl leaving yes. Valkyrie's bedroom and which I, I don't even think is on the deleted scenes I don't think it's, it's not, didn't even make it that far Taika pushed for it in Ragnarok and got overruled so him getting that it's not that he can't be overruled but it's just him having even more power they've done this at Comic Con now they've had this line out of Comic Con even if Marvel were like iffy beforehand like it's out in the ether now and yeah. <laughs> like they're gonna get a shout on if they don't follow through with this yeah and uh, queer icon Tessa Thompson playing queer icon Valkyrie there's all kinds of rumours like obviously like both Tessa Thompson and Brie Larson have been very much playing into the kind of queer subtext of both their characters yeah, also, uh, yeah. like a hell of a lot of artwork and stuff like that I doubt that Captain Marvel will be that character but then they come out and say like well we've decided like Taika comes out and says like I've been reading a lot of the recent Thor comics and I've really loved Jason Aaron and Russell Dafterman's run on the Same, as someone who recently <laughs> finished that. <laughs> I've been really enjoying this, and so I feel like we should say that we're going to be introducing a new thought. And then fucking Natalie Portman walks out on yeah, stage. who was like the most, I don't care, I'm not coming back to Marvel, and then they get her for Endgame. It's like, but did they? <laughs> and then it's like, oh, surprise, motherfucker, she's going to be Thor. They give her Mjolnir. I mean, there's all kinds of questions like Mjolnir doesn't exist in the current timeline of the MCU. Are they going to be introducing her to be 
Valkyrie's love interest, mm-hmm. which will create a, an interesting queer love triangle. Well, I mean, the... they left hanging in that in Ragnarok, like this sexual tension between Valkyrie and Thor, with them just like flirting outrageously with each other at times. I would love to see an actual love triangle, not just like two women fighting over a man or a man basically refusing to commit to either of them. I would love to see Valkyrie and and Jane flirting outrageously with each other, and Thor almost being the one that's sort of like left out in the cold a little bit. Like, but what about me? And it's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what about like, I think you? I think a friend, my friend did raise a good point, which is like I don't think Natalie Portman would want to come back to be just the love interest, but oh, I God. do think I do think it would be very interesting as a wrinkle to have it be like we're going to make this. What like, if Hemsworth is the is the like eye candy love interest, and, <laughs> and like this is all just Jane and it's Valkyrie doing the heavy lifting, and when Jane became Thor in the comics, traditional Thor. Like, I don't want to say male and female Thor. I mean, I I call J- Jane Thor and Odin's son. Yeah, like, well, I was about like, to say yeah. He he becomes known as Odin's son, and he is unworthy and he is wielding the axe instead he has stormbreaker now which is a bit more of an axe than it is a hammer it's, it's not jangeborn is, it's, is it yeah they confirmed he's still worthy and like that's a whole beat where it's like he does that wonderful crying smile when he's like yes when he can still lift the hammer and like it would be gross to say now that he's fat he's not worthy and i expect him to not be fat thor in this movie unfortunately but maybe yeah, he, will, will. he will have lost weight we'll yeah. see whether or not guardians cameo because this is set before guardians yes. 3 interestingly um, that he left with them but like and I think James Gunn was like oh Thor ain't gonna be in Guardians 3 and it's like you know what, what happened then didn't he come out and say like his exact quote was Thor will not be in Suicide Squad or something along those lines like oh, he's yeah, like, people yeah. say like will Thor be in Guardians 3 yeah but and I feel said, even before that people were asking him and he was like no but you know maybe something happened with the Guardians that made him unworthy who knows but yeah I, I would like to see something akin to that because you know Odinson was kind of like off to the side while Jane was the star of the Thor comic and then they come together and it's like having these two Thors together it's like yeah fucking cool and like I'd I love to we'll see s- the three of them yeah we'll see whether or not they go into like the mighty storm and stuff like that and like a new Mjolnir being formed because yeah. like that's the thing is like I have to imagine that's, this will have to play off that kind of stuff yeah. apparently yeah. this movie's filming back to back with Shang-Chi which is interesting ah, weird it made me think just of that whole Jason Aaron run and it just made me think oh I'd love to see Hemsworth trying to play like old King Thor and like you know because you know you had that generational thing there was old Thor there was current Thor and there was like the young arrogant Thor who just had the axe and like I would like to see some of these like riffs on the Thor stuff and all the Aaron stuff and yeah I'm super excited for Valkyrie to have an even bigger role and like I think we all agree we'd like to potentially see a Valkyrie solo movie or something at some point but maybe this is as close as we get and it's like it may be called Thor but like the Thor we know is like sort of the third wheel to these two kicking ass who knows but like you know we all love Ragnarok we all love Taika we're all very excited for Jane, for Natalie Portman to be back and to actually get something to do. I was just so frustrated for her playing Jane before and like just relegated to just his girlfriend and like giggling when he's muscular and stuff and I'd like to see her actually get to do some acting and get to do some fucking ass kicking like she said she always had hammer envy and stuff <laughs> like she's gonna have the hammer and super super excited. Yeah this, this is it's a good way to end a phase like this this feels like the strongest end of a phase since the Avengers if, if we're looking at Spider-Man and Ant-Man as yeah. being like end of phase movie and then we know that Phase 5 is planned. Yes, like Kevin Feige said, we've got it fully planned. We almost announced it all, but we thought, ah, we've got enough here. The thing is that this is two years. Like, yeah. This is just the next two years. We are getting ten projects in two ten years. Projects. Five you know, of which TV shows. Sure. And it just makes it a very different feel. Like We are getting five movies between 2020 and 2021. Yeah. Two 
two in 2020, two, three in 2021, and then, but 2021's the packed one because there's four fucking TV shows coming in that year. I so. mean, maybe one of those gets pushed a little bit, I don't know, but Feige was like, you know, we've got plans for Fantastic Four, we've got plans for Mutants, we didn't have time, maybe this will all get talked about a little bit more at D23, which hasn't happened yet, but the, the one project they did firmly commit to, in terms of, you know, in the same way, in terms of making an announcement, Blade, out comes Mahashala Ali, with a baseball cap with a Blade logo on it. You know, Wesley Snipes has been angling to, can still be Blade for a long time, and it's like... Please, I need money for all my debt that I'm in. Well, yeah. On some level, it's like, it would be a cool win for that guy to, like, I, I say a win for that guy, like, that guy's a fucking tax fraud person, but, you know, <laughs> on some level, part of you wants him to get to still be Blade, because he just so expertly did the one-liney, fucking stupid but amazing lines. And it's... But Mahashala Ali is a monster of a recast. Two-time Academy Award-winning actor, yeah. even if one of the movies he won his Academy Award for is the worst Best Picture winner of the decade, and the <laughs> other one is the best Best Picture winner of the decade. So uh, he's quite the stretch. <laughs> yes, no writer, no director, no details. Just It just makes me think maybe they literally got him to sign this contract like days ago. I'm like, like did he, you come to com? Like... Apparently he called them after he won his Oscar and was just like, wow. like this is like the blank check of an actor. His first call after winning his Oscar, his second Oscar, was, I want to play Blade. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> Go Mahashara Ali. This single-handedly erases the Netflix verse because he was cotton mouth, obviously. So that's. Cool. I love the interview where Kevin Feige sat there and like someone's like struggling questions. He goes like, uh, 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 will Blade have any types of cotton mouth? And Feige's just like, no, nothing. We're not even going to reference that they look the same. Bye everyone. <laughs> no one gives a shit about yeah. those shows. They're cancelled, they're gone. We're not even going to cry that we can't make a dead, Daredevil movie. My immediate thing is, even more than Cumberbatch, they will never get him for more than like this and like maybe a sequel. But like in an ideal world, I would love to see them attempt to build some kind of supernatural Avengers have him with Doctor Strange. But uh, that's the thing, is like they they have got like, they've lost a lot of ground to the other street level heroes or the supernatural heroes, but they do still have like Moon Knight. I was kind of like I would love it's, to it's see like Moon Knight one. maybe be the villain of this movie who turns good or like you know I mean it's gonna be a vampire obviously but you know maybe not like Blade doesn't just fight vampires he is just a general fighter of like demonic forces and stuff and like, you know and I'd love to Mackie see for Wolfcap <laughs> I would love to see like you know him and either Strange or Wanda and like Ghost Rider and Moon Knight you know some sort of like little like supernatural Avengers I hope they hire Guillermo del Toro <laughs> uh, and you groan because you don't like Blade 2 <laughs> so boring do you want to do the plug? Uh, no, I don't. I don't want anyone to listen to the first winners on EnterTheRealWorld.com. I'm not proud of that trilogy of podcasts. Although one of the most listened to episodes in the history of this podcast is our Blade Trinity <laughs> one, which is, what, 20 minutes long? and just I enjoy that there is now a trilogy of things that like we will both be covering, me, you, and Mike Thomas. Yeah. Because there is now, when the Blade movie comes out, there has to be a first winners episode four. Oh, fuck, the dark. <laughs> no, you refuse. So that's everything. Thing firmly announced, as we said, like Kim Feige was like, obviously we're doing Black Panther two and Guardians. Like Coogler, Coogler is signed on to write and direct, so that is yeah, hundred percent happening. It's the biggest solo movie 
Feige and the franchise. Yeah. You and I speculate that they will do Captain Marvel 2, Black Panther 2, and Guardians 3 in the same year, and it will be the... <laughs> fucking insane. ...biggest money year of anything that didn't have Avengers in it. And it may, you know, maybe combined, the three of them will do better than any year that's had an Avengers Like, movie. Like, this this year is the first year they've hit a billion for all three movies, because, like, Spider-Man has just hit it. Like, when we recorded Far From Home, like, a week ago, I said, like, they were, they were about within spitting distance, and they passed it this week. So, like, yeah, this is the first year that all three MCU movies have done a billion. Ant-Man and the Wasp let the side down last year. Well, there you go. I mean, yeah, no Ant-Man sequel announced. I would just fold him and Wasp into a team, personally. They are the one that isn't hasn't taken off. All the movies that they've got unannounced, but kind of, like, obviously happening, like Panther, Guardians, Captain yeah. Marvel. There will be a Sony Spider-Man sequel at some point that is in the contract. We don't know when it's going to happen. Yeah. Maybe they can convince them to just do Venom and Spider-Verse and hold off on a third Tom Holland Spider-Man I movie think, for I a bit. The, the reason they rushed up the second one was obviously because they were worried they weren't going to have a hit and then Venom hit in between. We're not, we'll see whether or not like Morbius tanking will tempt <sighs> them to kind of like push it forward a little bit. But I, I, I constantly forget Morbius is a thing and I think it's intentional but subconscious in my brain. Like, nope, don't remember that. So uh, let's just briefly touch on like, I think the Fantastic Four are going to happen before the X-Men. I think whilst the Fantastic Four have potentially had more bad movies than the X-Men, there's probably more clamouring for a good Fantastic movie. Four. Yeah, movie exactly. And I, I had I had the stupid idea, like because obviously Peyton Reed is quite famous for having a Fantastic Four script that never got made, which is going to be set in the 1960s. I'm sure, they could add on a little bit that like gets them to the present day and becomes like a fish out of water stale. I'd be quite interested to see whether or not they decide to do something like really weird, like Ant Man of the Wasp and the Fantastic Four, to tie them all together for a third one and have. Yeah, it be... there is a lot of history with those characters crossing over and stuff. Like, and... like have you have Reed working for Shield back in the 1960s he disappears and then maybe play up his relationship to him we've been off in space we've been in the quantum realm we've been in the multiverse like. exactly like you could you could say like they went into the quantum realm or an equivalent or the negative zone something like that that uh, there's flexibility there to tell this story we'll see what gets announced there when it gets announced for at this point it's not phase five it's sad it's not phase four i would expect them to the holding off on doing both of these to just really take their time and also just let them rest a bit i would expect little tiny references and easter eggs here and there to slowly seed things in for it like maybe you have a cursory line about mutants or something could you see eternals leading into x-men because obviously there's the whole thing of the celestials maybe having some impact on the birth of mutants I don't know. I, I I wouldn't think so because I I don't think they can rely on that being something that just a lot of eyeballs are on. Unless they're going to be going, these things have existed for God knows how long. There needs to be some triggering moment. I assume they're just going to claim it as something to do with the blip and like fixing the blip and Hulk's attempt to fix the blip and and well Hulk did fix the blip, didn't he? You know, some weird or whatever Wanda does and like you know Wanda's history as temporarily a mutant apparently for however many decades temporarily something there like a change a fracture you've changed the universe and now they're a mutant so we both agree Fantastic Four is going to come first X-Men definitely needs to rest they need to take their time with both of them I hope they do talk Noah Hawley into making a a Doom movie because like you know Thanos enormous Norman Osborn pretty big but like because of that whole Sony relationship being you know you can't rely on that like you may not want to do that Kingpin a huge villain but like not necessarily someone that you would need the entire Avengers for Doom is like 
the fucking villain as far as I'm concerned in terms of like what you can do with him I know Thanos is is great and they did more with him than I ever expected but like Doom can be the answer to like any question like you know they did a fucking two year event with a mystery villain at the end and then when it was revealed to be Doom it's like of fucking course it was Doom you morons (laughs) yeah uh, so Deadpool's kind of like the elephant in the room yeah Um, I can't imagine they want to wait too long before greenlighting a Deadpool movie it just depends whether or not the Deadpool movie ends up in the MCU or not. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the first Fox movie to make it over. They will have to keep Deadpool going, it's just how they treat it. It's just the intriguing one, because Deadpool is the out-and-out success. They've lost Hugh Jackman. If they still had Hugh Jackman, I imagine they would be working on a Wolverine movie as well. Maybe they should just work on the next 23 Wolverine movie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She's busy with his up materials, man. Well, whatever. The Disney Corporation, the larger company, has movies that have been released that are not child-friendly. So they can... It's not like it's impossible that they're going to release a rated R Deadpool. Deadpool 3. It's just how they handle it. Like, you called him Thanos, and, like, they make Batman references and, and all this sort of shit. So, like... They can kind of do what they want with Deadpool without having to acknowledge the relationship the other way. Maybe we get, like, a Deadpool who is swearing and he keeps getting beeped and he's like, what the hell? Much like the joke they make in Deadpool Once Upon a Christmas. Yes, which I never saw and made you hate Deadpool 2 forever. It just made the movie really, really boring, <laughs> apart from the stuff that they had. So, Avengers. Yeah, what is an Avengers team going to look like? It has to have Brie Larson and Chadwick Boseman on it. And, like, I know they're in Infinity War and Endgame, but they're not really, and I would just, I'm dying to see these two actors get to actually do deep, meaningful scenes with everyone else. That's the biggest shortfall of how they made Infinity War and Endgame was Black Panther finished, was filming at the same time as Infinity War, and yeah. Captain Marvel didn't start filming until after. They didn't Endgame know the what they had with either of them when they were filming, and now they know. And like both of those actors are more comfortable in those roles and like made them their own. They are both orders of magnitude better in their own state. I mean, Edward Boseman was pretty good in Civil War. He was. But like, it, but it's Black just, like, Panther it's is really... such a thing now that like you it's... have to imagine whatever they do next time will be so much better. Like in yeah, terms it, of an ensemble, it's crazy to think that like one of the biggest cheers we got in Infinity War is when the Black Panther score comes on. <laughs> this Oscar-winning score that they've got like comes on Infinity War, and it's like already within like two months of being released. This is an iconic piece of music. <laughs> yeah, it, it's huge. <laughs> but like, yeah, it's, it, like they've said we don't know what the Avengers team is going to look like. We don't even know whether or not Thor is going to be the only holdout from the original set to kind of like close out his time on the series. I could see him being in it. That's the whole thing. Like, you know, you don't want to see too many solo movies with a particular character, but I feel beyond just Ragnarok being so good that you had to do a Thor 4, because this is a character that is, he's not immortal, but functionally immortal. He's been alive for like a thousand years or something, you know. And because he's gone through so much and experienced so much and changed so much throughout the centuries, he does have this evergreen nature to his character that the others don't. So I could see him. It would be a bit weird potentially but like he had the little moment with Carol uh, I know I'm not trying to say put them together because that was the wrong takeaway from that it's just I think he would have really good chemistry with both of them and I could see them bringing in Thor even if not for the whole movie I, I don't know but I would like to see him maybe both maybe all three maybe Valkyrie Jane and, and Thor all in it but maybe that would yeah. be overkill but it's- I have to assume you have Spider-Man you have Black Panther you have Captain Marvel and then you sort of take your pick of whoever's 
done well. Like, it's not like Kevin Feige didn't say there's going to be an Avengers. He said that they know what their next big event movie is going to be. Notably absent, there is nothing with an Avengers name on it in Phase 4, because they did two of them in Phase 3. They've got all kinds of stories they can do, like Secret Invasion is something that's kind of like around the edges, like the fact that Scroll showed up in the last two movies. You had your huge saga that's building and building and building, and they, they had their Avengers team from relatively early, if you think about the entire history of the MCU. Now that we've had this hard reset and like so many characters are like dead or retired or their status quo has changed completely you have this whole 10 project span to like rebuild a new avengers team and like you know re-establish yeah. and what marvel event would you want to see them close out a phase five like if they do a big crossover event with everyone what would you want to see phase five be <sighs> i imagine i know what your answer would be and we'll see what i say. don't know what my, my answer I think, is i think you want annihilation yeah i would like to see an annihilation <laughs> you're right it's like annihilation but even if they said like what if we did the incursions and we actually canonically made the Fox Marvel movies a yeah, thing maybe. and we bring over the actors we like and we get rid of the ones we don't like and we keep I think they are binning every X-Men actor I'm sure they are <laughs> but that, like, that's like the one thing they can do I mean, I mean honestly who would you I mean, other than McKellen and Stewart Sophie Turner was good enough in, in Dark Phoenix but so good that you'd be like bummed if no. they recast her like... no I'm done with the big four from that franchise and yeah. I don't think they gave me enough to care about with the kids in the last two movies yeah. to want to see them carry on even though those are actors who I think would do a good job and also this may be controversial but I think Hugh Jackman just became so beloved because like I don't know those movies his just constant present I don't actually think he's a phenomenally good Wolverine like to he me. is a very good cinematic Wolverine but he is not Wolverine the character and I, I imagine if yeah. imagine if the Marvel Universe did it they would go proper Wolverine yeah. and everyone would freak the fuck out because they'd cast a five foot two hairy man to play <laughs> <laughs> to play Wolverine. One of the biggest flexes they could make is Wolverine in the fucking traditional costume. Yeah, yeah I I want to see Doom. I want to see Annihilation one day. I would like them to get even more cosmic. Like, they didn't announce the Nova movie that was heavily speculated to be happening. Maybe Nova be, is going to be, be in Guardians five. 3. Yeah, exactly. And obviously, there's no sign of Kamala Khan, who could be in Captain Marvel 2, but I have to imagine Captain Marvel 2 is set in, like, the early 2000s or something to follow on from the 90s first movie. Or, you know, still in the 90s, but... Or it ties into the post credit scene of Spider-Man Far From Home. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe. No America Chavez, but you know, I'd like to see a Young Avengers movie in Phase yes. 5 with Kate yes. Bishop. With... I'd put Kamala Khan on the Young Avengers personally. Like, this is something I've always thought. I mean, that's the thing is, like, you look at what the current team of Avengers is, and what they have is the kind of like the three young characters that have kind of blown up outside of the Young Avengers. It is Miles Morales, Spider Gwen, and it's. Kamala Khan yeah. and two of those are far more difficult to introduce to the MCU than the other one is and so like obviously we've lost the runaways to Hulu but yeah like there is a really strong cast there that can be gay as fuck and it's probably like the richest portion of the MCU uh, the, the Marvel comics that they've got to pull from Definitely. Um, that they haven't and the fact that there isn't like the fact that a lot of those characters have gone on to have their own solo starring books uh, but we haven't had a follow up to Young Avengers in so long yeah. at this point bring that the fuck back speaking of bringing things back Back. The Marvel Netflix characters are back on the table from the Daredevil, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist are usable from 2020, Punisher and Jessica Jones from 2021. Daredevil seems an absolute must 
to bring into the MCU. So, so I'm in, I'm intrigued. What? So you're you're a bigger fan of the the Netflix shows than I, I am. I might be the I, biggest fan of the Marvel Netflix. I, I dropped out hard. I watched Luke Cage and Iron Fist like back to back just before Defenders. Yeah, happened. You, you don't want to do that. <laughs> I know, but I did do that before Defenders came out. I watched Defenders, and I was fully intending on watching Punisher, and I haven't watched any of them. I think since. Punisher is really good. I, you think Punisher is really good? You think Daredevil season three is really good? I've I think heard... Daredevil season three is the best. Marvel-related TV show that has ever existed. And you've, you've told me these things. And now that they're all cancelled, I am more inclined to watch them. But Just my watch backlog... Daredevil Series 3. And but my else. backlog is so long, and there's so many... I've not seen fucking Pose yet, and I need to watch Pose, and that okay. feels like a better use of my time than Daredevil yeah, Season 3. probably, but you um, should watch... If you like Daredevil Series 1, you would like Daredevil Series 3, is the okay. only thing I can say. You are the big fan, and so yeah. I just have to ask you, like, would you want them to recast and just ignore that these things happened? Or well, would you... they've already basically done that by saying Mahashala Ali is Blade and fuck sure. Cotton but out. the thing is but the thing is like you can say like they could still conceivably bring in Vincent D'Onofrio as D'Onofrio the... is the one that I think I think they should do that it's not to the same level as Robert Downey Jr is Iron Man and J.K. Simmons is J. Jonah Jameson but like I feel he has delivered the iconic definitive kingpin performance in terms I, I, of adapted media I think you would have more chance of that happening if they'd cast him as kingpin in Spider-Verse I expect them to get someone new, but like of the people from the Netflix side, he is the one I could see them being like, yeah, we cast him, but like none of that happened. It's just we're using the same actor because he was good. But yeah, I, I expect them to recast Daredevil. I think Charlie Cox was great, but I do expect them to recast him. And then Daredevil it seems unavoidable to appear because there just aren't really many bad Daredevil runs. Like you can pick any like decade. Yeah, like of Daredevil, Daredevil is a very good thing to kind of pull from. It's just whether or not because they had something that was so explicitly tied to it and was so successful in its first season yeah. and I do think so much of that success was the first season of Daredevil was one of the only ones that have like a consistent creative vision or like good creative people behind it that weren't it's sure is a shame that Black Widow's dead eh <laughs> that's how you could tie some things in there I don't see them doing an Iron Fist movie a Luke Cage movie maybe Jessica Jones don't. maybe Jessica Jones maybe Punisher those that, like Daredevil Jessica Jones and Punisher feels like the three that yeah. they would be inclined to do Luke Cage and Iron Fist you could tie in together. I would just do Heroes for Hire personally and I'd maybe even just make it a Disney Plus show. I, I do think the biggest shame of the, the, the Netflix series is they never just renewed it for a second season of Defenders and just said, like, here's six episodes, yeah. finish what story you want to tell. Well, so should we do a brief rundown of the other TV shows? So Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. we both dropped off of. I dropped off mid-season three. I don't know when you dropped off. Two. Agent Carter I've watched all of. is very good. Probably my favourite after, like, Jessica Jones and Daredevil from what I've seen. In Humans I've watched, like, three episodes of and noped out hard. Scott Buck should not be allowed in Marvel Universe whatsoever. No. Should be allowed to do TV whatsoever. Like fuck Dexter. I've seen most of Red Runaway season one. I want to go back to it because those are my heart children. I think I said like if I was ten years younger, then I would have crushes on this entire cast. Um, <laughs> I got most of the way through it, and I was really enjoying it. They they need to spend a lot more money on the the Velociraptor, but you know, Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage, like they know how to write kid stuff. It's just. I think it hit a time in my life where I was very busy. I do want to come back to it. it the third season's out in December. Maybe I'll try and catch up by then. It's the, yeah. it's the only one that I've like got any interest in right now to catch up on. I watched the first episode of Cloak and Dagger and thought it was surprisingly good. I don't know if it's great, but... Yeah, like, it feels like there's this like second run. After Inhumans and outside the Netflix stuff, there's this kind of like stealth, solid stuff that they're doing. Cloak and Dagger, I've heard decent things about. We've got Ghost Rider, which is a spin-off of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, they're doing the, the Robbie Reyes version. Yeah, because Gabriel Luna's coming back. 
back to to take over that role. Then Hellstrom is coming yeah. as well next year. There is this like little pocket Hulu freeform. It, it's interesting. The stuff that's owned by Disney, apart from Inhumans, feels like it still has a chance to be in the MCU. Putting Ghost Rider and Hellstrom on Hulu suggests they're going to be a different age rating, but you could do that and then have Ghost Rider be in like a, a Marvel movie, like with like I said, with Blade and Strange and whoever. Apart from the Agents of Shield issue of them not being told what was going on in Infinity War and just kind of like trucking on with their own story, the ABC stuff feels still quite like not close but like less segregated yeah. uh, and then we have the other Hulu shows yeah Murdoch <clears throat> The Offenders Jazzler and Tigra this weird like animated session that they're doing those like, feel like they're not gonna be canon it's Hitmonkey and Howard the Duck like it's it almost feels like Hulu sticking their middle finger up at Netflix yes while calling it the fucking Offenders Patton Oswalt's rumoured to be voicing Modoc, which is fantastic I think you can get a bundled Hulu app Disney Plus yeah. subscription. Maybe uh, Disney, Disney Plus launching will make them make Hulu international finally. But Maybe. I mean, because obviously Hulu have also bought the, f- the full controlling rights from NBC so that so now Disney does fully own Hulu. Along with all of us. Please bring Hulu to the UK. I really want to watch Veronica Mars season 4. I cannot avoid this spoiler that's going around for much longer. <laughs> well, we are going to put this on ice, this podcast, until Thor Love and Thunder comes out and possibly even like the home release. As a general sense I enjoyed making this podcast more when we were doing the run-up to Infinity War, where, like, all but Black Panther had been released. Or yeah, and, and been out the, for a while. The, and... benefit, the benefit of hindsight, the fact exactly. that we recorded our Black Panther episode twice because we did it, like, at the very tail end, you don't have as much flexibility to go to the cinema multiple times, or even indeed the want to go to the cinema multiple yeah, times. Yeah, I don't like going outside, quite frankly. <laughs> I've still seen all these movies twice. I yeah. saw Spider-Man a second time before we recorded, so... So I just would rather let these... We have done all of them, but I don't want to get into a pattern where we record an episode, like, day after a new release because I always think of stuff I should have said I like letting them marinate and like see the ones that come later so I want to let a bunch of them build up and when yeah. five, phase plus 4 finishes here's 10 episodes of the podcast plus we got stuff like WandaVision and Doctor Strange tying into each other we don't want to have a discussion of WandaVision and being like hmm I wonder where this goes but yeah, then it comes exactly. out and we know where it goes because everyone's seen Doctor Strange exactly so this podcast will not be back for a couple of years we will do a big bunch of episodes on phase 4 if you're looking for immediate reactions to these movies, the Superhero Pantheon will have you covered there. I believe Mike Thomas will probably resurrect. We used to do listicles on things like that, like seven questions after Guardians 2 that you and I participated in. So that kind of stuff will be available. We've got a bunch of written content on the site, like the All Marvel list, our various little listicles and, and writings. We will update a bunch of those and tweet them out uh, now that Phase 3 is over. And like you know, We added to the All Marvel list, but didn't actually write it up so yeah we'll do yeah we have we have a top 25 now yes. of our favorite performances and even then it's not really like i i think stanley tucci probably would have made it in over some other people that we've got on the list in hindsight yeah, it's just like we we very much went on like this is our 25 of our favorite performances with a game we'll see what shape whether or not we change some of the discussion points for phase four yeah continue to listen to there will be movies our podcast discussing 25 of our favorite movies from a given decade that's going to go on forever and ever and ever having having a look at what matt's done to the spread 
spreadsheet, yes, it will. <laughs> oh, you finally saw that, did you? Yes, I did. <laughs> Haven't mentioned it yet. Look, it's just a soft idea. Look, whatever. We've all, we've got other podcasts planned for the future. We will cover Watchmen. We are going to do something with some action franchises. Until then, go to EntoTheRollWorld.com, go to SoundCloud.com slash Mike and Matt, and just check everything out, and we will see you in two years to talk some more Marvel stuff. I cannot believe how long this is. <laughs> I hate you, and I hate myself, because this has to be ready by Wednesday. Anyway, <laughs> bye everyone for two years. Bye.